like to welcome uh, each and every one of you here this evening for this uh, retreat that we're having uh, together here at the, uh, the Bodhi Tree Centre. <clears throat> I arrived here, here in Australia from uh, Totnes, in England, uh, two days ago. Prior to arriving here, Jen and I, in the email correspondence, and she's been very kindly uh, keeping me up to date as much as possible with the, uh, the tragedy of the circumstances with the excesses of the heat and the fire and all the consequences both in this region and uh, much further afield. And also had the opportunity as well to regularly, daily in fact, uh, check on the line to uh, find out from the various fire reports and local uh, media uh, what was uh, being said. And as we know in the personal circumstances of uh, human beings, when we have a connection and a very deep empathy and affection for uh, an area, the intensity of the circumstances, that is, uh, the fire, in a way brings the feeling and the heart much closer because one knows very directly uh, the people who are, uh, or some of the people who are concerned. And in the days, uh, the recent days, of course, and some of you from uh, this area as well, with uh, the Dhammananda community and Bodhi Farm, the, the Forest Retreat Centre, all of which I've had a connection with, I'm going back to the mid-1970s, and the evacuations taking place in those two communities, many other communities and homes, the tremendous work and courage of the firemen and the fire brigade and men and women who have been working so hard together. That in the listening, in the emails, in the information and in the variety of, of friends, it brings it home in a very uh, direct and immediate way the, the vulnerability of human life the impact that human life has on the environment and the impact that the environment as well can have on human life, on creature, on animal life, both in the wild, domestic and the farm creatures as well. And the outcome of that, of course, is it generates, as, as it needs to do, a great deal of conversation, a great deal of uh, concern and also to explore ways of what practical steps, inwardly and outwardly, we need to uh, uh, address. These are situations, as you know, as, and equally in other parts of the world, they will not go away and things will not change until enough women and men on this earth, and children uh, as well, make our voice very, very clearly heard. Putting this into the context of uh, the uh, retreat uh, here. Firstly, just to reiterate uh, what Jen was speaking to you about a little while uh, uh, earlier, 
that if, in the very small possibility that there is some risk, there will be an immediate uh, meeting point, decisions will be immediately uh, made, and if that requires from us uh, an evacuation that will take place, and your kindness and immediate um, and unhesitating cooperation uh, is absolutely vital uh, there. So the checks will be ma made every uh, day, at least twice a day, and we will obviously keep you uh, uh, in informed. In looking at this from a nature, elemental, spiritual uh, uh, perspective for a moment uh, or two, there, what we are witnessing in the slight change of the language uh, here is the manifestation in a more intense form of the heat element. And this revealing and showing itself clearly and obviously with the wide range and variety of uh, fires that are taking place. And when one element in life is strongly uh, emphasized, it is in the forefront of consciousness, that element will have a very direct impact upon the other elements. It has to be. And the direct impact of that, of course, is on the earth uh, element, that which we can touch, we can feel under uh, our feet uh, there. And today, um, Jen and I, and Kirsten uh, as well, who kindly brought me down from uh, Brisbane, we walked from Damananda up through uh, the forest to look at the forest uh, retreat uh, centre to see the condition of it, and also much love and work that has gone um, uh, into the centre there. The outstanding feature, apart from all the precious work that's been done, is, as you will know, how dry the forest is. In my years of being in forests, both as a monk in Thailand and the regularity of the visits here, I've never felt and seen so much of the dryness of it all. It cannot even be regarded as a rainforest um, at the moment uh, there. And, and that impact is on the, on the earth element because of another element, the heat element. But also it acts obviously on the water uh, uh, element as well. The drying out, the, 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 dis, the uh, fading currently um, of the water element. And when I were reading in the new newspapers of the significant drop in the levels of water in the reservoirs, in the rivers, in the streams, and in the, uh, in the lakes. It's a further reminder of the impact of one element having on over the other elements. There is, of course, the air element uh, as well. And walking through the forest and then going to uh, uh, Bodhi Farm and others of you who live in this area or in the fire uh, regions, will know the amount of pollution in all the dynamics of these elements having uh, on people's lives, having on their cells, on the lungs, on the respiratory uh, uh, system as well, and the impact of all of that. So when one thing is, has a significant impact, the ripples of the interconnectedness will and must 
impact elsewhere. So one element has to be changed, has to be worked with in every political, social and conscious way to find some level of degree, order and harmony. And when I read in the newspapers as well, uh, there, that according to the, the scientists who are measuring these areas, that in some of the areas, that is, that is in the uh, suburbs of uh, uh, Sydney, closest to where the fire regions are, the amount of pollution is equal, so I've, so I've read, so the scientists are reporting, to smoking of around 27 cigarettes in a day. We, we really are talking of the, the impact of the pollution of the air, the impact of the, of the air from all the consequences uh, of this climate emergen- emergency there. And at Bodhi Farm, when, we, when the community was having its first meeting and the opportunity to go back and uh, have some sharing and uh, uh, talking together in the last uh, few days, it was only just a few days ago, it was not possible I was told to see clearly across the valley to the rainforest uh, uh, beyond because of the thickness of the of the air. We, we, when we arrived here today, th- this afternoon, uh, this afternoon, we only had to look at the sun. It's it's red. It it, it it's not clear. It's distorted in the in the uh, per- perceptions. So this dynamic of the air element impacting on the earth element, impacting on the water uh, 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 element and the heat element and the, and the space uh, element. It's a very serious uh, uh, situation. And that the seriousness of it requires from us a, a clear exploration, not just of the external factors which are important, critically important, but also and equally the internal factors. Because it's very easy in the mind to view the situation and there is a reaction to the situation. And the reaction is not healthy, it is not clear, nor is it wise. One common reaction is fear about the future. It will not help. The fear is a corruption in the mind. It is not helpful whatsoever to be anxious, to worry about, to find oneself feeling traumatised by it. It is not helpful to be angry and aggressive and finding people to blame, whether they're in Canberra or whether they're in the fossil fuel industry or whatever. The, The approaches of anger, fear, blame, resentment, Confusion and anxiety is not telling us anything about the environment. It is telling us about the state of mind. And it's very, very easy to justify, because that's what the mind will do. It will justify its position in its own unhappiness, in its own stress, in its own worry, and think that this justification of the, of the view of the situation is because one is seeing it clearly. You are not. You're seeing your mind. You're seeing the corruption in the mind. You're seeing, seeing the reaction in the mind. You're seeing the mind burning up. You're not helpful. And we keep feeding this. 
we look at the media, we look at the television, we look at the radio, etc. It is important to be uh, informed. It is important to know what's going on. It is, it is important to find ways and means to contribute to its resolution. And that requires from us deeply and very, very clearly in the being. We are not going to live in fear and anxiety. It cripples human beings. It's part of the problem. And the mind keeps justifying it. And when other people say, oh, I'm so worried, I'm so anxious about this and that, uh, etc. And the person says, I know, I'm just the same. I just, I just know how you feel. There's no clarity. Just putting wood on the fire. Just burning up inside. Just becoming increasingly unhappy and depressed. That will not serve the interests of this earth. It is part of the problem. It is not part of the resolution. And it's going to take quite some exploration in the deep. And that's why we're here. To look much more deeply than these repetitive, reactive states of mind which just paralyse us. It's the death of imagination, fear, worry, blame and anxiety. It's a loss of the originality of the human being to communicate. And we're feeding each other this. And therefore we feel helpless. We identify, we feel sorry for ourselves, sorry for our species. We generate the ideology of being a victim. We are not. We're much more than that. It's going to take some work here. It's going to take some depth. And it will take some uh, real facing of one's existence with a kind of core question which, which needs to go along this. What is the alternative to fear, blame and anxiety? There has to be an alternative. We can't go on living like living entrapped in that and keep justifying it. And human beings without the immensity of our potential, the extraordinary capacity for love, for empathy, for the liberation of the voice, that we have to stay true to, that we have to discover uh, in, in the being. And these, these retreats and many other practices and forms, in the very, very best sense, is to liberate the best out of the being. That's what liberation is about. It's bring about something profound and beautiful and stay absolutely true to it. And we can do it because we're human and we have the right. In being, being here, <clears throat> if both here and uh, other circumstances uh, uh, as well, if one puts it in another, so those who've been on uh, retreats before, and familiar with uh, uh, the Dharma uh, teachings. It is often referred to wisely and, and uh, uh, clearly in, in the very best sense. What is referred to, uh, the summary of it is, the four noble truths. Actually, it's, that's not what the text actually says. It's a, it's a, a shorthand, lazy way of... 
what the actual texts say is it is the four truths of those who live a noble life that's what the actual word, wording is and those who live a noble <coughs> way of, uh, of, of life there are concerned with suffering climate emergency obviously there is much suffering in its concern but if I, I as a human being keep referring to the suffering of the situation worry, fear, complaining, agitation, sleeplessness and much, much more it generates its own blind spot it's a neglect and a forgetfulness of the other three truths which are related to the first and you and I with our thought with our voice with what we write if you mention suffering in all of its manifestations and we have one in the immediacy of the environment affecting on lives of communities and individuals and families and creatures and and much much uh, more if we're talking about suffering please make sure you are addressing the causes for it which is the second truth Make sure you have a sense of where the resolution actually is. Make sure that you know and have some sense of what the way is to its resolution. Because if you make an imbalance and just talk about suffering and you don't (coughs) mention the causes, you don't mention the resolution and you don't mention the way, it's part of the problem. It makes people more unhappy, more feeling of helplessness, it exaggerates the size of the issue because one is just focused on the problem and forgetting to look at the causes for the problem, forgetting to look at the, re- the resolutions of it and the way to resolve it. And if we keep all four and we have a quiet commitment with ourselves, I'm not just going to talk about the suffering, I'm going to talk about the causes and the conditions. I'm going to talk about... Um, ways to resolve this and they're out there they are being spoken about people can see what the direction is and we need, do need to make sure that our voice is really concerned with the resolution and we need to be well informed for that we have to share, we have to talk together this can't be done in isolation And then something of the potential of the human being can collectively, in the collective, something can can, can, um, uh, manifest. And we who are hopefully a little bit more mindful, just a little bit more, and a little bit more conscious, a little bit more caring, or whatever, if there's just a little bit more than that, than what some of our institutions and our political masters and, our, and, our, and, and the corporate world is offering. If we're a little bit more mindful and a bit more caring and a bit more committed and a bit more dedicated, with it comes greater responsibility. Always been the case. Clarity and seeing of a situation brings its own responsibility and the confirmation of it is the action. And my goodness me, the best of human beings we are usually known by what we do it's a challenge it's a big challenge
but we're human, we can handle it. Since we're here for six days, it's unlikely it would be the last thing I comment I have to say on this. <laughs> I just had three days with Extinction Rebellion in London. I've got lots of stories. Some very interesting and eccentric things are going on in the world. It's an absolute privilege to be part of it. And I'll, uh, I'll no doubt squeeze in a little bit as the days go by. However, keeping with the theme, there's more to life than just concentrating on one issue. <clears throat> in the days that we have together, there's the uh, I'll speak a little bit about the forms of the day, a little bit about the uh, priorities uh, 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 with you, etc. Um, et <coughs> um, I'll take the words um, my, mindfulness and meditation uh, for a moment or two. <coughs> Both words have a, uh, like with anything, um, have a variety of me variety of meanings, so that all I can I can do is uh, meditation teacher, mindfulness uh, teacher, <laughs> is to give some workable definition, if I may, of what, uh, what I have in mind here. So, with mindfulness, and plenty of definitions of it uh, going round, but uh, I'm such a big fan of the Buddha that uh, I like the, the broad approach. And what is meant by that is mindfulness is that which reveals, is that which shows itself. Sometimes you and I, in our daily life, small or big things uh, in life, we, we become mindful of, meaning we become a little bit more conscious of, we pay a little bit more attention to, more awareness around and that quite, not always but quite often for a human being when she, he, we are interested in change that first of all we see what that is that's the mindfulness, it reveals it, something stands out it may just be the beginning of a real change in our life and mindfulness has this function in the human being, we could say, more, a bit more energy in the consciousness to look and see something clearly. And therefore mindfulness applies equally to the past, mindful of what was, and be clear about it, and to see what the understanding or the inspiration is. Mindful of what is present, uh, quite often in some of the meditation processes of course there's a bit more extra emphasis on the mindfulness in the present but also on the mindfulness of where something might or is leading be really mindful uh, uh, of that so human being wishing to live a mindful life and to be a conscious uh, life which can bring its own caring and receptivity recognizes that we move in the three fields of time, meaning we have the right 
and it's necessary, vitally necessary, to be mindful of what was. It is not a teaching of trying to cut the past off. Not a teaching of rejecting of the past. It's not a teaching of having a naive view that the past doesn't matter. It, it matters. Oh, it matters. And we have this wonderful capacity at times, if we're calm and clear, to look to the past, and with a certain calmness in the present, we can look at to the past more clearly for way, the way the past was, rather than going to the past and then reacting to it, positively or negatively, and actually not being able to see it clearly. Take some calmness in the being and some clarity in the being and a certain groundedness for us to be able to look at the past without being overwhelmed by it. We can learn a lot from the past. Not only personal past, not only our upbringing or our experiences or our precious spiritual events or the traumas which have impacted upon us uh, in life but sometimes we can look at our past as a species as this extraordinary movement of life and here we are, you and I, the present generation moving through this field of time as past and future generations uh, will as well to really consider the evolution of our life of life itself Meditation, it's a bit of a fancy word really. Not easy to find a, a parallel word uh, in the Buddhist uh, teachings, interesting. But in a way of uh, giving a workable definition uh, to meditation, it is the capacity for successive moments of mindfulness which contribute to some deepening pro, um, progress and development. Quite something to be quietly mindful, as an example, in-breath and out-breath, one after the other, staying quietly steady, as an example, with that process of human being, being conscious of breathing in and out. And that, as that gets deeper, because that's what happens, as that gets deeper, we can legitimately call that the meditation process. And that going deep can contribute to a receptivity of the heart in love and empathy and joy to a tremendous range of precious experiences to a real listening to the deep, the voice from the deep, which is important, and sometimes, of course, in the depth, we may touch upon very painful aspects of our life, either from the past or what is currently occurring in our relationship to the present or the future. Going deep is to be receptive to that which we need to be, to be receptive to, to really see well and clearly. And the meditation process... Not easy, but life's not easy either. So 
in the exploration of the meditation process with the support of the mindfulness we might find out and discover much more than we have ever found out through just thinking there's a lot more to find out than just thinking about things with the day itself depends which kind of tradition you're from so some will say oh my god getting up at 6 o'clock in the uh, morning even in such a precious and beautiful environment seems painfully early and uh, and then it goes right through till whatever 9.30 at, at night oh my god it's such a heck of a long day but others might say gosh starting at 6 in the morning gosh it's a holiday camp <laughs> And I've been on retreats where we started at four o'clock in the morning and some of the some of our Zenwala friends at three o'clock in the morning, etc. So getting it starting off at six o'clock, gosh, it's it's club med. <laughs> so you know, everything in terms of the view of the situation. That's the point. The view of a situation matters a great deal the way we view the way we view and if you and I get a sense that some views that we have is habitual, mechanical unhealthy problematic may the mindfulness come in so quickly, electrically quickly, that it comes in so quickly that it's spotted as early as possible. Because the earlier it is spotted, this is an unhealthy view. And like I said before, anxiety, worry, blame, fears, guilt, traumas, or whatever it might be, that the moment we catch as early as possible, this is an unhealthy view, there is some possibility, some opportunity to find out whether there is a view, a completely fresh way of looking at it. What the Buddhist world sometimes will refer to as finding our original mind. Therefore, the mind which is not just repetitive and habitual. It is not with that to say that We have to kind of work out all our issues by ourselves. Not, not, not in these kind of uh, teachings. It's not just about me, myself and I uh, either. And what that means is sometimes we don't know the reality of a situation. We shouldn't have the kind of foolish view really that the truth is within us we just got to find it or, 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 or whatever it can be important and really helpful and probably all of us have had this experience where the communication and the conversation with the other, whoever she or he may be that person or persons may 
be able to shed far more light on what is happening for us than we can for ourselves. We have our own whole networks of people doing some viewing here, doing really precious work because you have enough knowledge and enough skill and enough clarity to shed light on the issue of the other and give her, him, support. And we need that clarity and that space and it may be here, it may be somewhere else where we need to recognise our limits and say, find out who possibly could help shed some light on a situation because at the time we can't. I have never met a human being on this earth who has been able to do everything for herself or himself without the support of others. And I've got enough white hair to say I've um, got a few years behind the view. So sometimes a good contact with the other, good, clear working on oneself, the dynamics uh, of, of all that are really precious. Such people are our friends, the best friends. The Buddha commented. He was asked, who is a Kalyana Mitra? This is the Pali. Good friend. And the voice said, the good friend is one who is willing to be clear and honest with us. A good friend is not one who wants to keep flattering us. Another good friend. I hope you all have lots of good friends. Sometimes it's not easy, so easy to hear our friends because they're being clear and honest. We might get a little bit of irritation inside, but it could be quite insightful. You say, okay, I'm feeling a bit pissed off with you for saying that, but maybe there's something in there which I need to listen to or hear. Maybe. So the interdynamic there. With the retreat, of course it's very much a silent world. Uh, not, all, not, not all the time, but rather, rather a silent world. I'd just like to take a couple of uh, uh, minutes with uh, regard uh, to this. It, it's given and spoken of with um, immense affection. Therefore it gets this rather precious description. Noble silence. And it has a different quality to it. So what that means is that sometimes you think, oh, I'm not speaking, therefore I'm practicing noble silence. No, you're not, you're just not speaking. You know, oh, I'm, I'm practicing noble silence. I'm just being, you know, a, a, a quiet. No, it's, it's got a way to go yet, etc. So, just on the uh, everyday level here, your kindness and support in the noble uh, silence. One is even if you have your friends here, you've got your lover here 
or your possible lover here or whatever uh, uh, it might be it is an act of love not to intrude into the good space of the other that's all that's, that's the request so that there's a certain silence and in the silence uh, of that human beings get to know each other in another way completely different way and a rather sweet example uh, uh, of this um, in Europe maybe a couple of years ago uh, one of the people participating in the retreat he'd been in one or two retreats previously was a scientist and some scientists bless them not always known for their what should we call it empathetic sharings uh, etc some are they're, they're, they're precious this is the important point he said he has to go internationally to a whole variety of conferences and they're talking about the science that they're involved in and they shake hands and they say oh lovely to see you last time I saw you was at a conference and it's all very formal with the handshakes you know and the iron shirt and the tie and and so forth and he said what is extraordinary he does a retreat it might last for the same number of days five day retreat you know like a five day conference or a six or seven day and he sees meditators that he saw on a previous retreat or a year or two ago and he said we're hugging each other and we're really interested in each other and how are you and he said it's just like meeting really old friends and he said and I remember I haven't even spoken to this person before (laughs) etc there is sometimes in the noble silence there's a depth of friendship and a depth of connectedness which is not found in everyday chatter it's of a different order The, the Sometimes in the meditation hall, I find, and those of you who've been on the retreats before will know, one could be sitting in the hall, it's, you know, it's everyday level, it's quiet. And sometimes there are moments in the hall where the silence, you can touch it. It's extraordinarily silent uh, there. We had a film cameraman came, he was actually doing some interview with me and, he, blah, 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 and wanted to just have a short clip of the meditators. So I checked out with the meditators, it's a news program about Myanmar, and so I said, look, you've just got 30 seconds, Let's see. set up the camera, etc. And he just sat there in the chair after, and just watched. He said, never in my entire life have I seen 50 people sit so silent and so still and not move? And he said, just, what's going on? And I said, the only way you're going to find out, we'll find a cushion for you. (laughs) Maybe one day, who knows. So sometimes in the night, you wake up in the night, beautifully silent. There's a stillness in the air. One doesn't want to 
generate any sound, just feel that the love of the silence and the stillness of the night. Something deep. This is the noble silence. So our quietness, a lack of intrusion with regard to our neighbours. The periods of the stillnesses, day or night, touch something, an element which informs us in fresh ways. Keep your good hearts and minds and uh, open uh, to those silences. They are really, really beautiful. And in a world in which silence is being lost and our days are full up with sound, sound, sound. Earphones and media and much, much more. Whoa, let's touch upon the silence and the retreat and the beauty of the rainforest gives great support to it. <clears throat> Finally, just coming to the end with you, um, a couple of other uh, areas. One of them, both of them really, genuinely very precious and important. And that is the outlook or the attitude of mind. And in this area, it really is one of incredible commitment here and elsewhere. And it's a challenge to stay fully committed to non-violence. To really make non-violence a real heartfelt reflection and meditation and to watch very much when we are under pressure how that pressure can come out in the violence of the voice shouting, yelling how it can come out in domestic violence aggression exploitation and abuse quite something for human beings to really have a quiet commitment and exploration can I live a life which as much as humanly possible live without any interest in expressing any kind of violence no matter what to stay true to it no matter how often people say you're, you're naive, you're foolish you're irresponsible, you're romantic, you're out of touch, you're not in the real world. You're all, all, all of this can be thrown at us. Take some courage and quiet determination <laughs> to be really committed to the voice of non-violence. Violence is the loss of imagination, the loss of the spirit. Tragic. And the other area... The, uh, slightly Buddhistic language, forgive me. Even if we're in the Buddhist place, I had a brief conversation today with the bhikkhu, that means monk, Panyavara. Quite customary in the tradition to, in my time as a monk as well, one would ask first the name and the second question when asked from one monk to another how long have you been ordained Part the title for this is Borki Panza how long have you been ordained and the one who's been ordained the shortest period bows to
to the one who's been ordained longer. That's how it works, I asked him. How long have you been ordained? It's a stretch. 35 years. It takes some, not easy, it takes some uh, uh, dedication uh, there. And in the tradition of this, there is this, the language, Bhutang Saranangachami. If you've been in any Thai monasteries, Thai places, you heard this refrain. Literally, literally, I get, I don't, it's not I take, because it's not into taking. I go for refuge in the Buddha. That's the li- literal. In our contemporary language, which means uh, the, the same thing, is one is quietly making a commitment to fully waking up. That one is not going to sleep, walk through this existence. And one is, but that is a real commitment to staying awake. That's the word, meaning of the word Buddha. And the second, which accompanies it, is the Dharma. Literal meaning of it is Dharma. That which gives support. I go for refuge in the Dharma. Dhammang saranang gachami. Contemporary language. I will use and explore the variety of resources which will contribute to my waking up. Meditation and mindfulness is just two out of hundreds. I make a commitment, I do not want to sleep through, walk through life. And fear, greed, selfishness, anxiety, worry, doubt, self-blame, guilt, all of that. Oh, if we live in that, we're going to be sleepwalking. Not easy to wake up and come out of all of that, but we can. And the third, Sangam Saranangachami. I go for refuge, commitment, a real commitment towards, to the Sangha. And the the word Sangha means gathering. So each time that you and I have opportunity in life, and my goodness me, I hope it's on a daily basis, to have contact with the like-minded who are really committed to exploration, to depths of insight, to uh, waking up. We support each other. We offer care to each other. We contribute to empowering each, each other. Enough said. Thank you for lending me here. Let's just have uh, a few minutes, just coming up to nine o'clock. A few minutes of uh, shared silence. I'll give a minute or two, if I may, of meditation uh, instruction. A bit about the start of the day tomorrow. But first, let's just have just a few minutes in the silence. It's a small preference whether you sit cross-legged, use the kneeling posture, or sit in the uh, chair. Just a preference, yeah.
the back, if our back could be reasonably uh, straight and upright. Still some energy at the end of a full day. Eyes can be closed, feeling a little bit tired, yawning. Eyes could be open or half open. And just directing the mindfulness to breathing. That's the multiplicity of uh, objects in the world. Take one. Seeing if we can establish a calm, clear relationship with the inhalation and the exhalation. Experiencing the air element coming into the nose, down into the lungs, and the releasing of the air. clear as possible about the inhaling and also exhaling. being mindful of breathing in and breathing out
remaining two minutes. May all beings abide with a clear mind. May all beings inquire into the field of existence. May all beings live with love and wisdom. Times five past nine. If 